Good evening. It's good to see you all. Please open your Bible with me once again to the book of Romans. We're resuming our study there in Romans chapter 5. And tonight we'll be looking primarily at verse 12. Now, Romans chapter 5, most certainly one of the most important chapters in the book of Romans, and arguably one of the most important chapters in the Word of God, sets forth a very important and fundamental truth, a truth that he teaches every believer. Our Lord declares, It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Every believer taught of God is shown how that the gospel is all about Christ, all about redemption, all about substitution. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, the apostle writes, indeed God's word declares, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that is in whom all have sinned, for when Adam sinned against God, we did. Now we see two things that are essential and vitally important to a right, proper, and good understanding of the gospel of Christ. First, we see and learn how we are made to be sinners. So how are we made sinners? How is it exactly that we're made sinners? Well, my friend, we are sinners by birth, nature, practice, and choice. And we see here how that we were made to be sinners. For in Adam, all sin. Secondly, we see how sinners are made righteous. So how are sinners made righteous? Well, we're not made righteous by the deeds of the law. For God's word declares, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Indeed, if righteousness come by the law, if righteousness comes by what I do or don't do, there would have been no need for Christ to come, no need for Christ to die, and to put away my sins. I mean, if righteousness is by my obedience under the law, I wouldn't need the Savior. I wouldn't need the Lord Jesus Christ to live and die for my sins as my representative. The Apostle Paul writes, and all of God's people say with him, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. The, the Apostle writes in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And my friend, that includes you, me, and everyone in Adam's family. And beloved, we learn how that it is in Christ, in Christ alone, that we are made righteous. Look there with me at Romans chapter 5, verse 19. The Apostle writes, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, 
so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. We see Adam's disobedience, and then we see the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. By Adam's disobedience, many were made sinners. And so by the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ, many shall be made righteous. And my friend, that's the Lord's obedience as a representative man that was perfect. In word, deed, thought, and motive, always perfect, always acceptable to the glory of God. So perfect, so acceptable was the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ that God the Father speaks from heaven concerning him, declaring, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. You see, in Adam, we lost the way, the truth, and the life. But in Christ, in the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. And so, beloved, by the death and life of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the doing and dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have much more than we ever lost in Adam. For through Christ, the way of grace is established, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, in Christ, the truth of God is magnified. Indeed, the Lord is well pleased for His righteousness' sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. Remember, the Lord came and honored the law of God for us. He said, "Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. In Christ, the eternal life of salvation is freely given. God, who spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? My friend, he that hath the Son hath life. So we learn in this portion, in Romans chapter 5, what happened in the garden when Adam sinned against God. Indeed, when he fell, we know that sin entered in. And we know because of that sin, judgment entered in. And we know that guilt entered in, so that now all men everywhere are totally depraved. Now, that's not a partial depravity. No, no, rather it's total depravity. You see, we don't believe the lie of Satan. That serpent of old said, "Ye shall not surely die. And that's what false religion teaches. They think that man is not dead spiritually. But what did God say? He said, Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. You see, God's word does not teach a partial death, but rather a total ruin, a total fall, a total and complete spiritual death, and eventually a physical eternal death. Now, this is key to understanding the gospel. If you have no conception of what happened in the garden, if you have no conception of what happened when Adam fell, no conception of the total ruin, total depravity of man, you'll have no appreciation for the, for, the, for the redemption that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, if you don't understand something of our total guilt and just condemnation, 
you'll have no appreciation for the grace of God that justly justifies the ungodly. We also learn here how that it was the Lord Jesus Christ that established our reconciliation. You see, beloved, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are restored. We learn and we see what happened in the garden in Adam's fall. And further, we also learn and see what happened at Calvary. For by one man's obedience, many were made righteous. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, it sets forth there how that the Lord Jesus Christ, being found in fashion as a man, humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And we also learn what happened at Calvary when Christ died for the sins of his people. Well, what happened? Beloved, true righteousness was established. The righteousness that is now made ours by God's grace in Christ. And further, our sin was put away and we were forever justified by his precious blood. Look again at Romans chapter 5, verse 9. We looked at this last week. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. My friend, that's the only way sinners are justified. Beloved, we're justified by what Christ has done for us. And further, we also learn from this portion how that God deals with all people, all people, in one of two ways. That is, in two representative heads. Now, what are those two representative heads? Well, those two representative heads are Adam and Christ. You see, Adam represented his race, and the Lord Jesus Christ represented his people. As it says in 1 Corinthians for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Which representative do you want to be found under? Which of those two do you want to be your federal head? Well, I don't want to be found in my own record after the similitude of Adam and his sin, but rather I want to be found under the headship of Christ. Indeed, I don't want to be found in the likeness of Adam. Rather, I want to be found in the likeness of Christ. In uh, Psalm 17, you turn there with me. Psalm 17. The last verse there. This is the hope of every believer. It's the same hope set forth in the Old Testament as it is in the New Every believer can say it with David. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. The Apostle Paul said he didn't want to be found in his own righteousness as touching the law. Rather, he wanted to be found in the perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, let's take a look at verse 12 of Romans chapter 5. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into this world, one man, one sin, one offense, sin entered into this world. Someone once said, and rightly so, quote, if you're wrong in the fall, that is, if you're wrong about what happened in the garden, 
then you're wrong about it all. My friend, if you're wrong about the fall, your understanding of salvation will be completely wrong. For you see that this is not a small thing. This is vitally important that we understand this. That of being how that we became totally depraved sinners. And this truth is known as the doctrine of original sin. Where did sin originate? In Adam. And our sinful nature, our sin nature originated in him. For in Adam, all have sinned. Indeed, through his fall, through his rebellion in the garden, sin entered into him and into us. Sadly, this fundamental and vitally important truth is not taught in our day. You see, this truth of original sin and total depravity is not being taught in most places that parade around like churches today. And it's worse than that. For not only is the doctrine of original sin not taught in most places, further to that, it's denied. Just take a cursory look at most church confessions, creeds, and, or statements of faith, and you'll find that they do not believe in original sin or the imputation of sin through Adam's disobedience. But it's one of the fundamental truths of the gospel. The, the three R's. Ruined in Adam redeemed in Christ, and regeneration by the Holy, Holy Spirit. Indeed, you can't preach the gospel without those three R's, for they go together. Indeed, you can't have one of them missing to rightly understand the gospel. Now, in Adam, all sinned. You see, he stood as the representative man, and when he stood, we stood in him, in his loins. When Adam rebelled and sinned against God, that was me in him, sinning against God. You see, my friend, we all stand guilty in Adam. Think about it like this. Adam's sin is so much my very own, actually, it's really mine. Have you ever noticed that we never read in Scripture, not even once, that we're to pray, Lord, forgive me for Adam's sin? God's Word doesn't teach that, does it? Rather, we read frequently and repeatedly, Lord, forgive me for my sin, my transgression, my iniquity. You see, what Adam did, that's what I did. I was in his loins, and he represented me. And so what Adam did, we did in him. What Adam did, I did. I was in his loins, and he represented me. And so that's what we did, all of us did, in Adam. And I repeated that on purpose. It's such an important thing that we understand that we are all fallen because of the sin and rebellion of Adam. Now, does someone say, well, I don't like that arrangement? Somebody may well say that. I don't like that arrangement. Well, are you sure about that? Because in exactly the same way our being ruined had nothing to do with us, so too our being made righteous and raised in Christ had nothing to do with us. You see, beloved, what Christ did was charged to us because that's what God determined beforehand to do in the eternal covenant of grace. I love that. He saved us by His free, sovereign grace given to us in Christ. Now, some people ask the question, could God have prevented the fall? Absolutely. God could have prevented the fall, but He didn't. Why? Why? 
while you ask him. Our Lord prayed how that this was good in the sight of our Heavenly Father. Our Lord said, Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. God said to Adam, In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now God didn't say, If you eatest. Rather, he said, In the day that thou eatest. So did God know that Adam would sin? Absolutely. How do we know that? How do we know that God knew that Adam would sin? Because the Lord Jesus Christ stood as the surety of the everlasting covenant, as the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world, before Adam ever was created. Indeed, we read that blessed expression, from before, since the foundation of the world, ten times in God's word. Now, why does God emphasize that in his word? Simply this, beloved, so that you may know plainly and clearly how that the fall of Adam didn't sneak up on our God, the Heavenly Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, Adam's fall didn't take God by surprise. He didn't say, oh no, now we've got to find some way to fix this. No, my friend, it was all according to the eternal purpose of God Almighty. Just as surely as God said, let us make man in our image, God said in the eternal covenant of grace, we shall save our people. The angel of the Lord declared, Call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. God purposed that glorious gospel before Adam's fall, before Adam sinned, and all to the glory of God, that God might magnify his mercy, his grace, and his truth in Christ in saving the elect among Adam's fallen race. Let me give you a poor illustration, but it may help. My dad was born in Newfoundland off the coast of Canada. Now, he didn't remain there. Now, he moved in eastern Canada in the province of Ontario. And though I would not be born until 1969, where he moved to, I moved along with him, for I was in him, in his loins. And because of what he did, though I had no say in the matter, I did in him. Now that's a poor illustration, I know, but I only share it to help us wrap the idea of, of being an Adam to our you know limited and finite minds around this, that what Adam did, we did in him. You see, just like when my dad left the island of Newfoundland, I left with him. So when Adam was kicked out of the Garden of Eden, beloved, we were kicked out with him. You see, we have all sinned in Adam. So what is the result of sin? Look again in verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and the result of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is death. Death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. My friend, the only reason any person gets sick or dies is because of sin. Our body is full of sin. You see, sin is not so much what we do, rather it's what we are. Indeed, this body is nothing but sin. That's all it is. Total depravity. There is none righteous, no, not one. The result of original sin, the result of Adam's sin was death. And not only physical death, 
You see, though Adam didn't physically die immediately when he sinned against God, he died spiritually immediately. And when he died spiritually, he was immediately separated from God. The Bible states that Adam died when he was 930 years old. But not only was physical death pronounced upon Adam and us, but further and most alarmingly, spiritual death, eternal separation, and guilt by Adam's sin was charged upon all men. And that includes you, me, and every descendant born of the seed of man. So we see in verse 12, first, how that by one man's disobedience, sin entered into this world. Secondly, death is the result of sin. Now, if I were not a sinner, if there was perfection in this flesh, I would never grow old. I would never get sick. My eyesight would always be perfect. My hearing would always be perfect. My hair would not fall out would not turn gray. I would not be wrinkled, bent over, and old. You see, just the very fact that we grow old, what does that say to us? Very simply this. This flesh is nothing but sin. Indeed, in our flesh, no good thing dwells. That's, that's all it is, sin. Sin. And one day we'll take this body of flesh and we'll put it back to the dust where it came from. And then one glorious day in the resurrection, we'll have a perfect body, a resurrected body like unto his glorious body that's not even capable of sin and cannot sin, a body just like his. Just like that that verse I read to you earlier in Psalm 17, verse 15, this is the hope of the believer to be found in his likeness. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. (laughs) What a remarkable thing for a sinner like me and a sinner like you to say. All that boldness has nothing to do with us, beloved. It's all to do with him. (laughs) As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I should be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. This reminds me of another verse in God's word. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. We read there in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. You know, beloved, we don't love God like we ought to. One day we will. We don't love each other like we ought to. One day we will. And we see here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. And though you can't see that right now, beloved, one day it will be, we, we will be seen in his likeness, perfectly and truly. How is he right now? He's without sin, wholly and completely accepted of our Heavenly Father. And that's what we are right now, beloved. In the covenant of grace, through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the righteousness he established on the earth on behalf of his people, we are fully and completely pardoned of all our sins and completely accepted in the righteousness of the God-man, our representative, 
our federal head, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, thirdly, it says here in the last part of verse 12, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says there, for that all have sinned. Now, notice the marginal reference there on the number four. If your Bible has a marginal reference, number four is referring to in whom. In whom all have sinned. All have sinned in Adam. You see, Adam's sin is charged to our account. Now, the argument and the question among those who hate God and hate the gospel of His grace, those who deny original sin, they would ask the question, well, is God going to send me to hell for Adam's sin or my sin? So what's the answer to that question? You see, Adam's sins are mine. You see, it's my sin that's going to damn me. I'm just like Adam. But it's not his unbelief that's going to condemn me. Rather, if I'm found outside of Christ, if I'm found outside of him, it's my own sin and unbelief that's going to damn me. Now, with sin charged to our account and judgment of sin reckoned unto us, what do we deserve? Just one thing. God's just judgment and condemnation. Indeed, that's all that sin deserves, judgment and condemnation. And the guilt of sin has been imputed, reckoned, and charged to you and me. So what's man's state by nature? What's your state by nature? What's my state by nature? Guilty. Guilty. My friend, the only way we are made justified in God's sight, the only way we are declared not guilty in God's sight is to be found in Christ. He's our justification and he's our sanctification. And not only are we born in sin, further we have a fallen, evil, inherited sinful nature that is imparted to us. Now I know you raised your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You wanted your children to be right and to do right, and yet they lie. Now, I know you never taught your child to lie. You see, you don't have to teach children to lie, do you? Rather, parents must use the rod of correction to get them to tell the truth. So why is it their nature to lie and to act up and to rebel? Well, it's because they have a fallen, ruined nature that they inherited from their father. And you can trace that fallen nature that's in every one of us all the way back to Adam's ruin, for we're all descended from that one man. Now, if you believe that we came from an ape, I guess you think you have no problem with this thing of sin being charged to your account. Someone said this, It is much easier to say that we descended from apes and then say, Look how far we've risen rather than to say we've sinned against God and come short of, the, of his glory, and then truly say, look how far, far we've fallen. You see, that's why the evolutionist says, look how much we're evolved, look how much we've improved and progressed. My friend, man hasn't made any progress at all. Rather, it's all downhill. We've all sinned against God. We're all born with a fallen evil nature and that is imparted to us. You see, horses beget horses. A horse has the nature of a horse. It doesn't have the nature of a cow. Rather, a horse has the nature of a horse. And my friend, sinners only beget 
sinners. My daughter has the same evil nature that her dad has. And her and me both got it ultimately from our father, Adam. And it's imparted to us. And it's implanted within us. And it's a wicked fallen nature of rebellion against God that can't do anything but sin. That's all it can do. You see, this flesh of ours is not capable of producing one righteous, holy deed before God. Now, with all these natural disasters going on, people down in the Carolinas, they talk about people doing good things toward each other, and God's uh, people are for that. I'm not against people helping one another and giving to one another. But my friend, don't you dare... Don't you dare make that the basis of your acceptance before God. Because in reality, before God, there's none that doeth good, no, not one. You see, the only one who truly does anything good, righteous and acceptable before God, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now down here, us maggots and worms, like you and like me, while we can help other worms and we can help them along and do, do, do good deeds... And I'm not against that, and neither are you, beloved. But don't ever be so foolish as to count that as righteousness before God, because it's nothing but wickedness in the sight of God. Now, now, why is that? Why is that? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And he commanded his son to redeem us from the curse of the law, that cursed penalty for our sins, and establish a perfect righteousness to satisfy the law of God. Now, what a wicked, wicked thing it is to look upon the precious blood of Christ, to look upon his perfect righteousness, and say, in effect, insufficient payment, imperfect righteousness, God, here's my part. What wickedness is self-righteousness? To spit in the face of God and hold in contempt what his only son could do. He's the only one that we hear a voice from heaven declaring, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. The only man, the God-man, the only man to ever please God is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, man at his best state is altogether vanity. The best righteousness we have, the best deeds you could muster, God declares are nothing more than filthy, offensive rags in his sight. So you see, this is our problem. Again, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You see, beloved, we've all sinned against God. And this is what we saw Paul describe in Romans chapter 3. He writes in Romans chapter 3, verse 9, What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They have, they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. None among Adam's fallen race that doeth what God requires. Perfect righteousness. 
No, not one. Verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now notice the parenthesis in Romans chapter 5, verse 13. You see that parenthesis on the word for. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Before the law was given, before the law was magnified, before the law magnified our rebellion and sin against God, after Adam's sin, death has reigned from Adam to the giving of the law. And we know that from the record of Scripture. In Genesis chapter 5, we see a chapter that might be rightly called the obituary chapter, for we read in it, and so and so lived, and he died, and so and so lived, and he died, and so and so lived, and he died, and so on. Even though many lived many hundreds of years, yet they all died. Why did they die? Death as a result of sin, before the law was given. Sin reigned from Adam unto Moses. Now, Lord willing, next Wednesday, we'll look at verse 13 down to verse 17, and we'll see the comparisons that Paul sets forth using not as, so also, and much more. Now, in closing, look there again with me in verse 8. Beloved, God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of Christ shall many be made righteous. Amen.